hundreds of right. dead bodies every day coming back on a truck. I was a little kid watching this, and it was it, it was no run away from pain. Um, we moved to a small town. I remember being eight years old. I saw two guys getting hanged. Uh, they're kicking on the rope, and I, I was eight years old just looking at this. They were uh, op opposition group to the government. Jobs podcast season two. I'm your host Adrian, and today we're extremely honored um, to welcome Sia Vish um, to our uh, podcast to talk a little bit about his exciting journey from you know Iran actually to the US and now becoming um, a really successful um, gym owner. So how are you today? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me here and building this platform so people like me to share this story. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. And um, I can't really, you know, um, I'm really excited to get this started because it's not often that I come across somebody from Iran um, and make it over to the US, let alone being successful. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got started? Absolutely. So I'm just going to give you guys a little back story of uh, myself and how I became a gym owner, pretty much. I was born in 1980 in Iran. Uh, mm -hmm. Six months later, the war between Iran and Iraq started, and we were on a, almost the border of Iran and Iraq. So the war was brutal, um, and, uh, and we were part of a religious minority. Uh, right. So there was no job for us. The government considered us as infidel, uh, and so they were not hiring us. And most men in my, I mean, not everyone, pretty much uh, all the men in my uh, religious minority, they kept their mustache. So it was very easy for the government or people to know who we are. So most of us, we were without the job, and um, I was a kid, and my dad was joined the uh, pretty much army to, uh, that was the only way to make money. So he was a part of the Air Force, and the Air Force that we were in, it was the first air, uh, basically base right next to the border. Every night, the sky is red of bullets, jet wow. fighters coming down to us, passing our houses, the windows are getting smashed, hundreds of wow. dead bodies every day coming back on a truck. I was a little kid watching this, and it was it, it was no run away from pain. Um, we moved to a small town. I remember being eight years old. I saw two guys getting hanged. Uh, they're kicking on the rope, and I, I was eight years old just looking at this. They were uh, op opposition group to the government. Uh, just It was a brutal, brutal. It, it's not even a – I can't even uh, – to be honest, now I can't imagine myself. It's, it's happening again. It's just, it was a, so chaotic. Uh, no bread, no meat, everything had the line, no fuel, and uh, oh. everything, everything that was, uh, everything that was the, uh, everything was, it was unpredictable, it was unpredictable life, and we were moving from one uh, town to another town, uh, war ended, the country is all broken, and that's when I started doing, uh, there was nothing in Iran to do, there was only two channels, two TV channels, which was all propaganda, and uh, uh, yeah, the poverty it was it was getting there was no run away from this pain there was no running away from this pain and I'm uh, eight years old I started doing taekwondo classes my dad put me in taekwondo classes I was very dedicated I was pushing myself I made it all the way up I was uh, all the way up to national team but national team does not 
choose people like us because, as I said, we were part of a religious minority, so you have to be agreeing with government in order to represent the country. So my national team uh, dream died. One day I was uh, playing uh, soccer in the dirt. I was 16 years old, and my friend, bodybuilding, boxing, and all the American sport were illegal in Iran at the time because they were uh, they were considered as a uh, American propaganda. Mm. So uh, I one day I'm in the back uh, playing soccer in the dirt, and my friend Mehdi, he showed me a picture of Arnold, and I said, "What the hell is this?" And I, he was big, he had the muscle, he looked happy, and he represented everything that I wanted to be strong. He was deterrent, and uh, and uh, everything that I thought the, the man should look like and have. It was in him. And I said to myself, I'm going to be him. So I started going to the black market and finding picture of bodybuildings, anything that I uh, could get a hold of. And I was talking to my friends. So there was someone would say he he's taking one pill. That's why he got big. Someone was telling he wearing wearing a suit. So this pursuit, I got obsessed with it and I stopped bodybuilding. And as I said, there was no bodybuilding gym. I went to a in back of a wrestling gym. There was a one barbell. And that's how we train. I trained hard. Fast forward, I was I went to university again at university. They were not uh, allowing us to go to university because we are part of the, uh, the, uh, the religious money. So I lied in my application and I didn't tell them. And I uh, there was 65 kids in the whole country uh, got chosen to go to the uh, art university. I, I was one of them. I went to art university. I'm a couple of years. I'm not catching a break. The poverty shows that uh, the difference between me and the other kids because they were having an art supply and all that stuff. I didn't have any of those. So it was kind of the dream was dying. And one day we were playing uh, in the backyard, we were playing uh, uh, with the air gun. And I noticed I can't see with my right eye. So the, my uncle said, hey, take him to the doctor. They took me to the doctor and I had cancer in my eye. They found cancer in my right eye and in Iran, they couldn't treat it. So they sent me to capital city. All these doctors are coming and they said, you know what? This can be treated in Iran and it's going to leak to your liver. And pretty much that's it. But I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give up. I said, you know what? Whatever it takes, I got. I, I got to go <laughs> pursue my dream. Right. And my dad gave me a hundred dollar, and I left Iran illegally. I left Iran illegally. I went through Europe and ended up in England, working in a pizza shop, sleeping in a pizza shop at night, uh, working a restaurant. You name it. All these odd jobs because we didn't have paperwork in England. They were uh, we were just kind of a refugee and. Uh, in England at the time, uh, people were extremely nasty to or like refugees. You know, they were uh, TV every day was talking about refugee coming here, taking their job or whatever. Uh, people, they had a really, really bad view toward us. And I told to myself, man, I'll run away from Iran government coming here, you know, to seek this. And now this people over there, we had a problem with the religion. Now here we have a problem with race. So it was really ugly and it was breaking my spirit, breaking my heart. I stayed there for a years trying to make but i was bodybuilding hardcore i went to this gym called temple gym during gates the world champion owned it in birmingham i was training like a madman that gym was disconnected from the whole world there was no racism there was nothing it was just about training and pumping iron so i learned a lot i studied everything i studied everything about during gates his teacher mike menzer he's the mike menzer teacher arthur jones i learned everything about bodybuilding nutrition but i couldn't compete because we didn't have paperwork i didn't even have a driving license I say, you know what, this is not, and there were so many bad things uh, were happening. One of my friends uh, had a heart attack. Someone hanged himself, one of our friends, because of depression. Uh, so I say, you know what, I'm going to get a fake passport. I bought a fake passport uh, for a, uh, few, uh, a few hundred uh, uh, British pound. And I went to the airport and I said, you know what, I'm going to jump, go to America. I'm going to go pursue my dream. So with the fake passport, I, I went on a plane and 
landed in America. As soon as I landed, sorry, can I just ask? Um, was it that easy to get a fake passport? Oh, no, no. I'm a smuggler. I found a smuggler and I gave him money, and then he sent me the back the passport. The picture was so crooked. I was, I looked at it. I said, anybody can tell this is a fake, but you know what? You didn't buy. It's a, it's a legal thing. So I said, you know what? I'll go. I, yeah. I have to. So I just uh, fake, I put faith behind it and say, you know what, I'm going to go. I, I, I mean, in an airport, they notice it even. It's uh, it's fake. The lady told me, hey, son, this passport doesn't read. And I said, try it again, try it again. And the lady went to the back and started raiding. I saw the security. Everybody's raiding each other. I said, you know what, there's no going back. I'm, I'm going to go through this thing. So as soon as the plane landed in America, uh, the pilot announced everyone remained seated. And the police came in, stormed in, and they put handcuffs on me, and they pulled me out. I said, "Okay, oh. come on out, this guy." So they pulled me out because of the fake passport, and I, I knew I knew, I knew a little bit English, and I was a big guy. So they thought I'm a terrorist from Iran. I'm a militant from Iran. So I spent the first year in America in prison, maximum security prison, oh. no sky, nothing, no phone calls, uh, taking me six, seven hours a day every day to interview me to make sure that I'm not a bad person or I'm not, I'm not a terrorist. Um, so almost after the year. And I went to a judge and they uh, they said, okay, you're not the bad guy. So they, they said, we're sorry uh, holding you for this long. And they shook my hand. Now I'm, I'm uh, they kicked me out of the prison after a year. And I'm out in the street homeless, on the street of Chicago, homeless, walking around. And I'm looking under the bridge. And oh, I can, can I ask if you remember the first day you left prison? How that, did, did you remember that feeling? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was a, it was a, it wasn't a feeling, oh my, uh, at that point, I said nobody can stop me. That that was my I, that was my thing. That's it. My foot is on the ground, and no one can stop me. Now I'm at it. I, I was so motivated, so like driven to get this done. And um, I wasn't angry. I wasn't. I did something wrong, of course, right. uh, with applying with a fake passport, and I take responsibility for it. And a time in prison, um, I kind of deserved that. So I was out. I said, you know what? Fresh beginning. Let me let me go. I push myself. So I'm walking on the street, I'm homeless, I have no money. I'm looking under the bridge, all these guys that they were in prison, they're recognizing me that I'm out of prison because I have no shoelaces. They can tell right away, we can spot each other. Uh, so I said to myself, man, I'm, if I'm out, I'm gonna die tonight. I'll kill someone or if someone kill me. So I called one of the guys in prison that he got out a couple months later, uh, earlier. I got a bunch of number from in prison uh, from uh, a lot of crazy bad people. But I said, I'm never gonna call these guys. But there were a few that they kind of, uh, became Christian or they become religious and they kind of changed their way. So I called one of them and I said, it was from Guatemala saying, Hey brother, I'm in the middle of the street. I don't know what to do. He said, stay where you at. And they came, picked me up. They took me to it. He took me to his house. He had a basement. He threw a mattress in a basement. He said, stay here till you figure things out. So I was going to library and sometimes I go with them uh, to cleaning houses, you know, with them to go cleaning houses. So I was going with them. They gave me a hundred bucks. I would spend it on the house, you know, buy milk or uh, microwave, whatever I could to help them to repay the favor. I stayed there for a couple months to three months. Chicago was cold. Uh, I mean, it started snowing and I hate snow because I grew up in the western part of Iran, which snows. And I remember, remind me of all those bad memory of standing in a bread line, meat, whatever we had to. It was brutal. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to California. I jumped in a train, I got $140 ticket, and I jumped in the train, it took me two days, I got to LA. Got to LA, I'm homeless in the streets, and uh, I look at newspapers, I found this security job, 
security job. He says graveyard. Um, did you have any um like um document that allowed you to find a job? Yes. Yeah, so those three months that I was there and and at the basement, so I, I because I was assigned him now, they gave me social security. So I had my social security and I had my driver license. I was uh, and I was good to go. I, I didn't have driver license. I had the ID. Um, at the time I didn't know how to drive, and uh, so. Uh, I, I looked for this job and I found a security job, graveyard shift, working from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. And man, I worked. I worked hard. I was always clean, shaved, clean. I was showing up sharp. Yeah. And these guys, every time they show up tomorrow work and say, hey, man, we're not catching you sleeping. I said, why sleeping? I, I appreciate the job, you know, and I appreciate it. And in the afternoon, I would go train like an animal. I would train bodybuilding, hardcore. So I found another job. I did two security jobs um, from 7 a.m. I would go to one job uh, till three and then evening time I would go to the, uh, the evening uh, from six to uh, sorry about my dog and so uh, it's uh, so I was working day and and working as a bodybuilder um, yeah. Milo come it's okay we'll cut the dog out <laughs> can I throw him out one second and then okay. no problem no problem sure and then um we one second I'm sorry it's okay. I'm sorry, Adrian. He's always good with him. It's Wait, okay. Not. He's maybe he's got excited. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. so I had this, I had the security job on both on bodybuilding hardcore. After 12 years, they gave me a refugee passport. Refugee passport, I'm, I mean, uh, after 12 years of being outside the country and everything, I, I got the fake, I got this, uh, sorry, uh, the refugee passport this time. Okay, that's a real and, one now this time. Yeah, this is a completely new, uh, that, that that story is over. Yeah, I was, now I'm legal in America. I, I was good and everything. So they gave me a refugee passport. So now I could travel and I haven't seen my family for 12 years and I can't go back to Iran Yeah, uh, and go back to Iran. So I went. You smuggled out, right? Absolutely. I, I didn't go to military, and absolutely, they I get arrested over there and go to prison. So, I went to Turkey, the neighboring country. My fa my family came to the neighboring country. My brothers, all grown up. My sister got married. Oh. One of them has a kid. Uh, when I left, they were a little baby, and uh, life changed. And I was, I was just a loser to be honest. I had no money. I'm working as a security guard after twelve years. I have nothing. No family. No kid. Not a real job. Well, at least you got some money, right? Because you were. So no, I'm, I'm working as a security job at eight dollar twenty five cent. So when I went to Turkey, I had and one of my friends gave me even hundred bucks to buy gift for them. So I'm there, and I'm they looking at me and say, "What are you doing?" And on the way back, I felt like such a loser. I'm like, "What? What is happening with me? I need to do something." So I was just say, "Man, I got." And I was reading this book, Secret. You know that whatever you want. And I was like, "Okay." I started dreaming about it. I came back. They fired me from security job. God damn it. Now they find me from security job and it's right there is about 2010 that America is going through a recession. There is no job. All the security job are taken by uh, actually a veteran, a veteran that were coming up from uh, Iraq, Iraq war and all these yeah. wars. They come in back and they are way more qualified than I am. They are applying for the exact same job for like $9, $10 an hour and uh, they're more qualified. So they got the job. Right. They were getting a job. And I couldn't catch a break. So I was, I was catching a break and uh, unemployment gave me a back pay of $3,000. And I said, man, I've never seen $3,000 in my hand all at once. I said, I got to do something with this. I went on Craigslist. There's a site here that you see. Uh, it's like a, uh, yeah. you see old deals and stuff like Craigslist. And I found this little spot. The guy said, 
1900 bucks for a little spot. And I said, you know what? That's my dream. I'm, I'm going to go to, I had $3,000. So I went there, I gave the guy 1900 bucks. Mm -hmm. And at that time, when I thought about opening a gym, I, my intention was not helping people. My intention, none of this stuff. My intention was to have a dungeon, to build a gym dungeon, just like Dorian Yates, so I can imitate him and be a world champion. That yeah. was my only intention because uh, going, going to Gold's Gym, going to Big Gym, I would get distracted with the girls. I wouldn't be able, but here, it's only mine. I'm going at it. So I start training people with no equipment. I had a one bar. I had no equipment, nothing, but I'm expert at training people. With one bar and a couple of dumbbells, I'll kill people. People would come and say, hey, where's the gym? Because I put the banner outside. Hey, come to the gym and lose 15 pounds or whatever. They would come and say, where's the gym? Because there's no equipment. I said, just pay me and I'll train you. Uh, I'll show you how I'm going to train you. People would get surprised and they come and I kill them in that. And, and because I didn't have much of equipment, I had 30, I made the session to 30 minutes. In that 30 minutes, I had to get it done. So I came up with the system, I systemized everything and experiences from Taekwondo, experiences from yeah. bodybuilding, the psychology behind it, I combined it to make it very practical for people to come and train. Um, and I realized the busy professional are getting gearing more toward myself. Uh, the people who are very, uh, they're tech guys, they, they don't have much of a time, but yeah. uh, uh, the 30 minute session appealed to them very well. So mm -hmm. I was pushing, pushing forward, but I'm not getting ahead. I'm making money, but I'm spending it. One day, this guy, the chubby guy, he walks in. His name is Daniel Rosen. Uh, he comes, he wants to lose weight. And he starts looking around and say, hey, man, you're doing business wrong. I said, uh, business. Uh... So he started giving me advice about business. A little bit here, he told me, you make your website this way. He started advising me. My business started growing. I listened more and I applied more. So then I just, I start getting educated about business. So I start systemizing my whole gym. That is a 30-minute session. You come in, the workouts are exactly uh, uh, written, the routine, what to do. So the gym start growing. The mayor of my city, Culver City, uh, start training with me. All the big guys wow. of the, the city, a lot of um, uh, famous people in uh, in LA start coming to my gym. So before I know it, all the bodybuilders from Gold's Gym would come and uh, train. Away because I have a little gas station. And uh, for your audience, if they want to check it out, is six packs gym s-i-x p-a-x gym uh, it's yeah. a very it's a gas station at about 800 square foot gas station and we are making over a million dollar uh a million dollar a year on this little oh. gas station no gym ever make this kind of money uh because as i said it's a it's a community driven it's a, a, a what i figured out with the, the system that i figured out and it worked and i just kind of scaled it now in that little gym 10 people are working at the gym yeah. The vibe is amazing. I pulled myself out and now I'm uh, basically uh, gearing toward the license in the gym. And one of the biggest thing, Adrian, uh, I know your podcast is about this, about finding finding meaning in finding your meaning job. Finding jobs, yeah. yeah. So that's the shift happened to me, uh, Adrian. When While I was, uh, as I said, the beginning was all about me. I was, mm -hmm. it was all about me. I want to be this world champion. Along the way, when I'm helping people, here I am trying to get to 3% body fat. Lean, I have a vein in my head, I'm competing. And the people coming to me are regular people. They just want to lose a little weight. And I can do it with my uh, closed eyes. I, it's such an easy task for me to, because yeah. that is easy to get somebody at just a six pack. They want to be around 10, 12% body fat. My knowledge is way better. So I, was, I helped them and I give them a practical diet, very simple diet, three meal, couple of snacks and training routine that I gave them training twice a week. 30 minutes. That's all you need. Yeah. 
the results uh, there is always amazing and that they, i start people start writing review about me on yelp on google i'm changing their lives and i started having a album i said well, oh my god i'm i'm, I'm feeling the guy losing 880 pounds another one 90 pounds the other one 40 pounds i'm getting this crazy before and after picture of people and that's when shift started and i found something bigger than myself i start enjoying helping people their joy they and they're like a praise every morning when i go to the gym people shower me with praise and here i am came to america with um nothing with absolutely nothing no friend nothing i remember competing one time at the show i finished the show at night 11 o'clock and i went there was nobody to celebrate my trophy with nothing i nobody and here i am now with this big community helping me to, to uh, my website is done by the by my uh, clients uh, all my waivers everything by lawyers at the gym my accountant is the guy that who trains at my gym my bookkeeper every single person in that in this community has contributed and last time i competed it was like about 100 people showing up to the to the competition and rooting for me so my life changed and like six pack change changed completely my life and i re realized it's not only changing people's life and they come here some people are depressed especially through covid a lot of people were at home the gym become their second home they come they mingle they hang around and then boom they go home uh, they go home also they get motivated by my drive the more as a leader of this place the more i'm pushing the more i'm focused the more i'm focusing on myself i'm not even focusing on them the more i am focusing on myself pushing forward it motivates the people around me so it's been an amazing, amazing ride uh, from that to where I'm at right now. I'm living a dream right now. I'm, I have a big house by the beach. I have Congratulations. Boxes, bikes, you name it. I have them all. Uh, my life is right now, it's amazing. And which is in my uh, next phase is to help even more people to start opening these little small gyms. So mm -hmm. what I did was the last two, three years, I started writing a book about how basically my story that I shared with you guys in detail, how I uh, started it and got fascinated with bodybuilding all the way, how I started the gym with no money. And I'm teaching people how to start with minimal equipment in their garage. Uh, so it, this job is extremely rewarding. It's just, you know, the money, of course, they give you the financial freedom because of the system that I've built is not an imitation of uh, most of the most of the small gym unfortunately they imitate big commercial gym and they go out of business uh, or they do it uh, basically hustling every single day then when they when they are when they're uh, doing the small gym but not mine the way the system i figured out it will definitely give you the financial freedom but the other part the rewarding part is the people is the community that you deal with it's just Bring so much joy to your life because Sorry, I um, just just before you know the podcast is um you know ending because we mm -hmm. have limited time. I just want to yes. ask to see you know how you draw a, how you find a balance between um helping yourself and helping others because you mentioned that when you started this gym it's more about yourself right and then mm -hmm. it's up to a point um you reflect it and you think oh I need to also help people through what I do. So how do you strike a balance between this? Well, at, at the beginning, you're going to find challenges. At the beginning, you find challenges and uh, you're going to kind of find yourself, but you need to switch hat. You need to kind of, uh, that's, that's the way I kind of uh, give myself a cue. When I'm training, I block the time that is mine and is definitely mine. I try not to anybody interfere with it because if you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to resent others. So I block a time that is always limited from 11 to 1 is my time. I train, I do whatever I need to do. 
But the rest of the time, now it's about other people. Now it's about, uh, uh, before I was very self-centered, and when I'm training, I'm self-centered, I pay attention to myself. But when it comes to the other side, now I'm switching hat. I'm going into the, and I'm going with the mindset, these people need my help. Some people might come with a bad attitude. Some people might come angry. They're not angry at attitude at you. It's life, something happened out there, but they're bringing it to you because they feel safe here. That's why they're bringing it to you. Do not react to it. That's what I train myself. Do not react to it. Listen to them. It's like, it's not only the growing muscle, the growing emotionally as well. So especially fitness journey is tough. You're dieting, you're doing all this stuff. You're frustrated. You don't see the results sometimes that you want. So you're going through this emotional, but me understanding that side of them, it helped me to understand, to put myself in their shoes. So that's kind of how I uh, uh, separated. I'll always look at it. If anybody walks through those doors, come inside the gym, it needs my help. And uh, that's how I deal with it. So, um, you know, in terms of people who are maybe struggling to maybe find work or maybe they have a job, but they don't really know what their next step should be. What advice do you have, you know, as an entrepreneur and based on the experience that you've had? Absolutely. If the best thing, in my opinion, for anyone who doesn't have a job, get yourself in shape and getting in shape is not that hard. Go out for a walk. You get in shape, you take care of yourself. It, it will give you more opportunity, job interview, the way you represent it. It makes your mind more positive. And write down your goals. What do you want? This is your opportunity to clear what you wanted. You've always jumped from this. And, and when we lose our job, we panic. We panic. with No, this time, sit back. Write down what do you want exactly. Take that. You might not find the job that you want for that goal, but it might be a job that takes you a step closer to that goal. So uh, the, uh, regroup, get all the negative stuff out there. Stuff, and people are out there saying, oh, there's there are jobs, but you need to be prepared mentally. And one which, in my opinion, the fitness part, go to the gym, do some cardio, lift some weight, and eat better, and definitely eat better. Because sometimes people lose their job and they're home. They eat so much bad food and they make you emotional. All those carbs make you go through emotional roller coaster. Pull all those back. This is the best time you're having. This is your break. So put yourself together and go out there and kill it. You, I'm telling every single one out there, you got it. Just look at my story. I came and I, uh, when I was coming homeless on the train coming toward LA, there was a lot of other homeless people in that train. But everyone thinking they're homeless, I was thinking I'm a champion. I'm champion coming to America. So it was the way I'm looking at the situation that helped me. So I want people to look at the situation in a different light to see this is an opportunity. It's not the disaster. It's actually an opportunity for them to switch route and follow their dream. So I guess this, this is all about the mindset and, you know, how you view things. Absolutely. There's always two sides to, you know, a coin, right? So it, it depends on your mindset. Absolutely. Either you can, in my opinion, either you can live into the other people world on your own world, build your, build the one that you want and live in that world. Why, why do I want to live in somebody else's world? I build it. I build all these bubbles. Some of them are delusion at the time. It's okay. It's okay to be a little bit delusional at the time to vision all these things that are good thing happening. You driving a nice car, having a nice job, buying out. Yes. At the time doesn't make any sense, but why have bad thoughts when you can have this? You can choose it yourself. And that's what I did. Why should I sit in a corner and think, I'm, oh my God, I'm from Iran. I'm sad. I'm this and that. Nobody cares about me. No, I I'll change my mind. I'm here to be a champ. And that's, the, that's what I'm after. And I'm taking one step at a time. My goal, for example, is to uh, license my gym. And to do that, here I am sitting here and uh, talking to people about uh, uh, myself. So this is one of the steps to that. So 
one step at a time, I would say to everybody, and one of them is definitely fitness. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend that. I recommend that. Well, it's, it's been great talking to you, Siavash, and um, really fascinating story, um, you know, in your journey from Iran to the US. Um, I'll make sure to put your link, um, Six Packs Gym, on my episode uh, description and hope to see you again soon and all the best. Thank you so much, Adrian. If I can just one pitch, one last one for uh, people sure. who are interested. The, my, the name of my book, if you are interested to purchase it, it's called A Small Gym, Big Results with the S at the end. A Small Gym, Big Results dot com. You can go there and purchase the book as well. And that will be a huge uh, support to me as well. And thank you so much, Adrian, for having me here. Thank you so much. Thank you.